I'm Kamaya Truitt-Martin, and this is the WUNC Youth Podcast. I'm here today with one of our youth reporters, Anthony Howard. How are you, Anthony? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for asking. Anthony is a rising junior at Wakefield High School in Raleigh. He joined WUNC staff this summer as a part of the 2017 Youth Reporting Institute. He wanted to explore a story that had already gotten news coverage, but from a new angle. Anthony, tell us a little something about your piece. So it's about a racially charged incident at Wakefield that happened this May, and it's about how students reacted initially to the incident and all the changes they're trying to bring about uh, for this upcoming school year to be better. That sounds great. Let's go ahead and hear the story. Here's a list of senior pranks we've seen in years past at Wakefield High School. Tying a trash can to a flagpole, scattering balloons on the floor, placing a painted cow on top of the roof. But what happened this year? was something else. There have been five racially charged incidents in Wake County schools since March. The latest just yesterday, someone hung a teddy bear from a noose at Wakefield High. Did you see that stuffed animal hanging from the rope outside of the school? And I was like, okay, I know that's what I saw and I wasn't just imagining things. Yeah, both students and employees at that school saw what was hanging from Wakefield High School earlier this morning. And then I went back to my second period and I was like, I promise y'all, if y'all say something to me, I'm going to go off. So don't say anything about it. Multiple media outlets report four Wakefield High students are facing misdemeanor charges for hanging a teddy bear by a noose outside the school. I don't feel like like you can say, like, oh, he hung a black doll and be like, oh, but he didn't mean it that way because of all the history rooted within that. That's right. A black doll hanging by a noose. Next to the noose, there was a big white sheet that said, make Wakefield trip again. They were talking about our old principal, Trip Creighton. He was white. Our new principal, Malik Bazell, he's black. This man is a black principal. That's Lauren Howell. She was president of Wakefield's Black Student Union. He's a black man in a position of power. And what happens when every black man is in a position of power? People get upset and they try to, like, clown him or, like, disrespect him because he's in a position of power. Lauren says her club's Twitter page blew up the day of the incident. They were tweeting about the history of lynching and the difference between a prank and a hate crime, things that some students didn't want to talk about. People, specifically um, my friends who were white, being more angry about being blamed for it than about it happening, and that really like got under my skin. Cause that was, was like... Bella Patricioni, a rising senior at Wakefield. The day of the incident, our school hosted an open forum. Everybody wanted to go. There wasn't enough room in the auditorium, so they streamed it live on the school TV. Right now, we're just trying to have a dialogue and think about solutions as we move forward. For Meredith Howell, it was a day to talk about racism. She and her sister Lauren say most students respected the platform, but some didn't take it seriously. This one guy got up there and he was like, oh, I love white girls, so yeah. And everyone was like laughing. They were making a joke of it, I guess, while we were trying to cope with our pain. So that was kind of annoying, too. Like saying one thing because it's cool, like listening to black music, participating in black culture, like doing all this stuff, being with black guys, but yet at the same time, like not being with black problems. As a black student at Wakefield High School, you kind of deal with this stuff every day. Right next to our school is a neighborhood called Wakefield Plantation. And get this, last year, students painted swastikas behind our school. It's a real problem that's going to take some time to work out. 
a problem that Lauren and Bella want to ensure never happens again. Hopefully in my senior year, I would like to um, write about this. I would like to make it so, so, so prominent that it will not be tolerated. Diversity education, I guess. So like it would be like, oh, well, we're having a thing in the auditorium with um, Gay Straight Alliance and with Feminist Club and Black Student Union and Muslim Student Association and Asian. As for me, I'm going back to Wakefield this year. It's my school. I've got commitments. I'm the junior class president. I'm planning the prom. Maybe things will be better this year. Maybe it'll be the same. But who knows? For WUNC's Youth Reporting Institute, I'm Anthony Howard. So, Anthony, what was the hardest part about producing this story? Uh, for me, the hardest part was learning how to write for radio because, like, you don't want people to already... You, you don't want to make people's minds up for them. And so that was really hard for me. So when I'm like, when I first got the internship, I was like, okay, I'm about to, you know, talk so much mess about these people at my school. I'm about to call them out. These white people did this, they did that. And then I get, I have my script, I'm like, here it is. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, what is this? Like, you're not no editorial writer for Vogue magazine. Like, what are you doing? And so it's my whole script is just stripped down when I send it. And and then I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm just thinking like, is this me at this point? And that's like how I was feeling. After the edits? Yeah, after the, all the edits were made, I'm like, is this me? Is it still my voice that's being portrayed in the story? Am I still having some say in the story? Uh, that was like my first thoughts and that's what I was thinking. But then as time went on and I saw that, you know, there's time constraints, you can't, I'm, it's not like I'm making a story that's 10 minutes long, it's, so I'm thinking, okay, okay, we take this out. Maybe we kind of take it down a notch. And then it always felt like I would write something, but then maybe it was too uh, wordy or it was like, oh, I'm using these big words. I'm going to be articulate, intelligent and stuff. But it was like, no, you don't have to say all that. Just say, instead of saying, oh, he died a great death, you just be like, he died and keep it moving. And so that really, it really just, I was like, I was kind of frustrated at that point. I was like, wow, so I can't write how I normally write. Because when you're writing something, when you're writing something, it's totally different from when you're just talking about it and speaking about it. Right. Well, it sounds like a lot of what you, your personality got taken out. How did you go about putting it back in and making this piece your own again? Um, I think it was just um, kind of finding like a middle ground with all the changes like, oh, you guys say this, but then, okay, I'm gonna make it simple, but how can I make it so that it's still my own, but it's still not at the same time biased? So that was what I was trying to do, I was trying to do that. And then when I'm narrating it, I'm trying to make it, um, not dramatic, but almost like it's important and it's there's passion in it, and then like it's an, a story that you have to hear. It's not just some story that's, oh, one and done, then we keep it moving. Like this is a story and this is happening um, all across the country. It's not just in Wake County or in North Carolina. So that's what really helped me to make it my own and give my personality in the story. Have your feelings changed since then compared to now after the piece is done and how you're hearing it? What has changed? Um, most definitely has changed. Um, so like at first it was like, oh, we had took out a lot of the black and white contrast that I kind of had where it was like, this is how the white people felt, this is how the black people felt. And I felt like uh, originally that was taken out. I felt like 
that was important because you saw how the white people were saying, oh, we know that we have privilege, so we want to do something with it, or we know that people were being blamed, and we know that that's not right. Like, why are white people being blamed when the real issue is that African Americans are being targeted, essentially? And so it was kind of like that. I was like, why is that being taken out? And I was kind of like, and I, I don't know. I just didn't like that that was being taken out. But then we kind of placed it back in there with the quote about how Bella was saying um, her white friends were being blamed, felt like they were being blamed for the situation, so they were kind of turning it and shifting the situation when it wasn't really about them. And so I'm kind of glad that got in there and that side of it still was in there. And a lot of the quotes that some of, like Lauren and Meredith said about a black man in power and... Um, like just how they're making a joke of it and how people aren't how people will try to be with black culture but not with black problems i thought that was really that was key that was a key moment and key quotes in the story so i thought even though it was taken out that part that i really liked it was still kind of intertwined in the story but just not a contrast of the two um of their two voices so it was still in there right it sounds like you kind of chose quotes that spoke what you wanted to speak without you having to say it directly. Yeah, and that was really hard, too, because it was like I wanted the quote to be in there, but I also wanted to add my input, my two cents into the um, thing. So maybe, like, Lauren would say, oh, you know why this they do this? They clown a black man in power. I was like, yeah, they do. And I was trying to add my opinion into it. But like like you guys said, let the quotes and let the people speak for themselves so that people can see, oh, this this is how they felt, and so that is wrong, so they can see that. And so that, so then it's not you get the other person saying it and you saying it as well. Let them speak for themselves. So that was something I had to learn as well. Right, right. So we talked about a few deaths of audio. What was the piece of audio that you felt the most attached to and that you wish could have stayed? Most definitely. I wish we could have put Max into this piece. He got cut out. I don't know. Max, give us a little. Oh, backstory, yeah. 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 So originally I had this um, this boy, because I had interviewed Bella Patricioni and uh, as well as Max Bra- Burnwell. I think that's his last name, Brenwell. And I interviewed both of them at the same time, and he had some really good quotes. They were both seniors, both going to be in the newspaper for the next year. Uh, they were boyfriend and girlfriend. And... So he had some really good quotes, and the one quote that I really wanted was about him saying, um, like, we are white people, it had nowhere near the same effect on us. And then he was kind of calling out white people and saying, it's not your place to feel blamed or associate um, yourselves with shame or, like, or claiming the victim almost in these type of situations. You're, it's like you have privilege, so what you need to do is assess your community and really um, assess your community and use your privilege to, um, to better your community and better the people around you. So I thought that was a really a quote that I would have loved to use, but of course with time, you can't use everything. Right, now what do you hope people take from the piece that you've currently did with the Wakefield story? Um, I hope people take away uh, that it's not only that this is happening in their communities, it's happening in North Carolina, like you might see it in other different places like oh that will never happen to me but it can and it's happening and you think oh this only happens to adults it only happens to grown men and women but it's happening to kids now more than ever because we're so impressionable and like everything that we see on tv or from our parents or from like people that we look look up to we kind of um imitate it almost 
And so things like this are happening all over Wake County and in other schools where you see black people are targeted, Hispanics are targeted, and things like that. So I hope people see that this is happening in their communities and you, we all need to band together and unify and unite so that things like this won't happen, so that people won't feel alone, and that we can educate kids about these people are struggling, these certain types of groups and races and ethnicities are still oppressed in society, and instead of making them feel more secluded, how about we bring them together and just unite one another so that we all can be more unified than ever. Sheesh. How old are you? 16. Jesus. <laughs> so much from a 16-year-old. Um, that was That was beautiful. If there's anything else that you want to say about your piece or your involvement with this program and how it has helped you grow um, just as a beautiful articulating individual please feel free to do so um i guess i would like to say that it's kind of taught me to build tough skin almost or tough skin and also how to collaborate and work with people because i'm used to that but i'm also used to sometimes leading in situations and leading in group environments it's always like there's um always I have to do more and so in an environment like this where you're working with great people and you're working with mentors and um, people close to your age it's really great to see how um, we all can work together and kind of give opinions and give changes but then also not to take those changes like um, not, like not to get in your feelings about those changes like even though somebody might say maybe you want to change this or maybe you want to fade this in and fade this out or maybe you want to take this like this quote out and then maybe put this in like not to take that seriously because at the end of the day at the end of the day they just want your story to be better they're not trying to say oh this sucks what you did sucks so let me p implement what i want into your story no they're basically saying like i like what you had but i feel like what you already had right here or what you kind of pushed aside would work even better in the story now. So I would say not to take changes seriously and to definitely, um, that's what it's taught me, and to kind of build tough skin. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for your time, Anthony. That was wonderful. I'm glad we got to hear about the ins and outs of your process. Um, I really hope you have a great summer, and thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Kamaya Truett-Martin, and this is the WUNC Youth Podcast. We just heard from youth reporter Anthony Howard about the challenge of producing a story that was personal to him. Last summer, youth reporter Natasha Graham had a similar experience. She produced this piece about black hair. For generations, black women in America have permed, straightened, and altered their hair in order to be presentable in the world we live in and live up to white beauty standards. Growing up and seeing on TV that all these girls have these flawless hair, I was like, I want that. I want to be what you are. I want what you have. It was straight. It was flowing. And here, here you go, my hair. Boom. Poofy afro. That's stylist Brandy Dunn. As a teenager, she works against her hair's natural texture in order to look like those girls on TV. She used chemicals and heat. I didn't like my hair bone bone straight. Like, I, didn't, I don't like hair flat to my head. Not only is it a lot of effort, but making her hair look white causes a lot of damage. When she was 18, she decided to make a change. 
after I took a shower, wet my hair, took some like those big orange paper cutting scissors, those cross scissors, and just and my hair was like like super super short. What Brandy did was called the big chop. It's where you cut off your damaged hair and start fresh. This marks the first step that some black women take on the journey of going natural. Itahan Absui, the owner of the Nubian Natural Hair Gallery, believes strongly in keeping hair natural. So at her shop, she refuses to chemically alter black women's hair. This is a natural hair salon. We believe in providing services that support the black family in being their authentic self. Right now, she's crocheting a client's hair. This involves weaving hair into braids. Traditional African styles like these are making a comeback as forms of expression and ways to keep natural hair healthy. These include twist outs, cornrows, and bantu knots. We've always used hair as a way of self-expression, as a way of, you know, expressing our creativity. We are unique in the, in the way that our hair is so versatile as black people. And I don't think anybody else, any other race, can do as much with their hair as we can with our hair. It's just so amazing to me. From locks to free, bouncy afros, and it's just, it's just a beautiful, awesome, awesome thing. I love my hair, and I'm not the only one. I recently saw an article in Vogue that had white models wearing bantu knots, or mini buns as they called them. This is uncool on so many levels. These styles were created by black people, and for me, as a young black woman, this example of appropriation makes me feel like someone is slowly plucking each individual hair from my head and taking away another aspect of who I am. Intahan believes these hairstyles are major parts of black expression that need to be kept within the culture. You can admire that, and I have no problems with you admiring that. I have no problems with you acknowledging that, but you have to respect it and know that your place is just that, to admire it. Certain things are very sacred. Why is it that our culture cannot be sacred, that we have to let everybody in and everybody has to demand to come in and bulldoze their way into our culture? My natural hair is a very important part of who I am. I will never change it for a job, a group, or anyone else because I love it, because it is me. For WNC's Youth Reporting Institute, I'm Natasha Graham. I'm Kamaya Truett-Martin, and this is the WUNC Youth Podcast. Thanks for listening.